Hello everybody and welcome to Cave Goblin Radio. I'm your host, Anthea Vandalay, uh, back after a long hiatus. Thanks for joining us. I'm joined today by the author of one of my favorite novels of the last five years at least, Jackie S. How you doing, Jackie? Life is good. Life is good. Yeah, I mean, good to be here in the cave with the Cave Goblins uh, saying hello. Yeah, and uh, I truly am in a cave. This is the first time this show has been in this new studio um let's start off this music it's distracting me no it's almost over uh yeah in the basement of of our our house now and it's um finally cooling down but uh let's get right into it um so you wrote daryl and i have a copy here but my chroma key is uh making it look really terrible so let me just uh let me just Get out of studio mode. I'm really professional over here. And bring up this image. Here we go. Daryl, a novel by Jackie S. That's you. Um, before asking my first question, um, I just wanted to read the blurb uh, for our listeners. Daryl Cook is a man who seems to have everything. A quiet home in western Oregon, a beautiful wife, and a lot of friends to fuck her while he watches. But as he explores the cuckolding lifestyle, he finds himself tugging at threads that's threatened to unravel his marriage, his town, and himself. Uh, based on that, I was not prepared for uh, what a mu- moving and beautiful story this would be. Um, so, I guess my first question is, what is the origin for this character, Daryl, and the story itself? Um, it's a funny thing because I, I started by doing a character. Like I love, I love doing characters, doing bits, kind of like becoming people for a second. Um, and I wasn't initially sure, you know, what I was going to do with it. Um, I was living in Eugene, uh, you know, my partner at the time. Um, and we were doing everything that's in the book. I mean, wait, no. Um, but like we were, you know, she had started like a nature photos Instagram. And I was looking at this this image of, of trees and I was like, you know, it would be really great, like a type of guy who just sees everything in nature as this kind of Rorschach inkblot and makes it all about alpha, beta, coxful, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, uh, you know, for some reason, I just I found it really funny to kind of do this character um, and somebody who has that kind of like it's sort of a, a romantic fantasy, right, it's of, of a person who can narrate nature and who has these encounters with the sublime in nature. Um, but I wanted to have somebody that's like that, that's like, you know, like Wordsworth or something like that. Um, but at the same time, the content uh, is this like totally neurotic kind of thing. So I had a bunch of reasons for them, like wanting to turn that into something that I made into a novel that that wasn't obvious initially. I did all kinds of stuff. Like I would just be like, yeah, like, you know, here's what Daryl would say about this. Or like, here's Daryl's voice. And I made a Daryl Twitter account. I I always regret even telling people that I did that because then they think the whole thing is about Twitter or something like that. Not, but I mean, I, I did that. Um, and at a certain point, like I started to write these like monologues in Daryl's voice and write his diary entries and sort of like I imagined his world so much. And as I started, some things started to click and, you know, I started to see the other characters and sort of this like kind of double of Eugene that was living in the book. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is a novel. This is the novel I've been trying to write. I had put down a kind of more experimental novel um, that uh, maybe like a year or two before 
um, you know, um, and and the, I, I really don't like the experimental novel. Like I've written another novel now that hopefully will see the light of day sometime in you know in the realistic future. But like I I, yeah, I don't use any material um, from the the abandoned manuscripts. Um, I thought I was going to be able to, but then I, I looked and it's just like everything um, But I think that's part of the story. And then I think another part of the story is like kind of like constraints, um, where I think that. At the time that I was starting Daryl, which is really kind of a long time ago, like I, I basically like I started figuring out this character at the end of 2016. Um, and I had my first draft in like mid 2017, you know, and so and then I just carried this thing around for ages, um, trying to figure out what to do with it, rewriting it every year or two, that kind of thing. But um at that time, I had a bunch of concerns about like trans literature. That was such a big concept to me, um, which it now really isn't. Like I don't really think in those terms very much. But at the time, like I had come through this scene, like I, you know, um, I, you know, me and Tori Peters, we were we were old friends. We had kind of come onto the scene at the same time. We'd found Topside Press, you know, we'd read Nevada, we were and Safe Girl Beloved and all of that, and we were trying to. Um, see what we could do. Like we, we sort of saw this like kind of moment of opening of kind of trans literature, but it had this kind of like urgency and intensity to it that I think didn't quite, didn't quite hit the mark for what I was trying to do. Like I think that like that spirit that we saw is actually being like picked up and carried by some of the, some of the people that are doing it, but I, I wasn't going to be that kind of writer. And it was sort of painful to figure that out, but I was like, oh, right. Like, I'm not the type of writer that Casey Plutt is. Casey Plutt is awesome, but I'm, that's not what I'm doing. And I'm not doing what Topside Press is doing or, you know, what Little Puss Press is doing or whatever. Um, and, you know, love them to death, right? But I, but I, there was this recognition that like I had to do something different. And one of the things that I noticed was that there's this kind of, there can be a dynamic of tokenism, right? Like, and particularly, you know, if you're a trans person of color in that kind of scene, um, there's a way that like, everything can get writ be read sort of through this sacralized identity. Um, and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have something be read as about me or as like a statement about this is what black trans women have it, you know, how, how our, our perspective or something like that for somebody to be able to do that. And I was like, I wanted to write something that was exceptionally resistant um, to how I imagined it being deployed as trans literature. Um, and I also wanted it to be exceptionally resistant to like the egg theory, for example, you know, like I really wanted to write something that was frustrating from that perspective, where I'm not going to write a story where trans is the happy ending, and I'm not going to write a story which is like, you know, me behaving as a like spokesperson for an identity. Uh, and so in some ways, like as I stumbled on this character, I was like, oh, this is like kind of liberating, actually, that I can write as this sort of like 40 something white dude who's kind of like a uncomprehending but sort of very friendly kind of liberal guy um and i'm going to write the book that like you know it's going to be like my friends are going to read this and they're going to be like this is this is my parents this isn't me you know um and i i wanted to i wanted to do that for some reason um so anyway but all of that didn't matter right because i i wrote it you know origins blah 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 but like i didn't do a lot with it so i had this manuscript i rewrote it several times and the origins became com completely irrelevant. Like the concept of trans literature, top side, et cetera. Like, you know, like I thought when I wrote this book, that the only people who read it would be people that were kind of like basically in a specific scene, um, 
well, I had tons of weird beef ways at the time. So like, we've all made peace. It's good. I hope we've all made peace. If we haven't made peace, call me. But like, I think we've all made peace. But like the none of the none of that that stuff. It's, it feels so petty now. Um, and in fact, like when I think about like who read Daryl, you know, like Daryl kind of rhymes with Nevada in some places. Like they both involve a trip to Reno. They both involve, you know, um, somebody maybe trying to convince somebody else to transition. They both involve a kind of resistance to that. Well, okay. Um, they both have scenes of like kind of punk trans girls acting messy. Not very explicit in my book, but it's there. Um, I actually, but, like, I actually read Daryl like immediately after reading Nevada, and one of my questions was going to be if that that was part of the influence is when he's heading to Reno and he meets that punk trans girl. I was like, is this? Um, and I'm blanking on on the name of the main character. Uh, Maria Griffith and and James H. Yeah. Um, no, I mean I I, I think um, I, I I love borrowing people's characters and and repurposing them. I, I I definitely did that with Dennis Cooper. But as far as um, with Imogen's characters, I think I kind of let them alone. Um, like I wanted it to rhyme with that in the sense that I was like, I'm going to think through the same situation in a way or kind of a twist on the same situation. Um, but I didn't want to sort of write fan fiction of it. And I really do think my characters are very different. Um, like I think that like Maria is a much more chaotic character than Uthun. We also don't see very much of Uthun. Um, but I think that, you know, one difference is that like Maria basically sees James H. I mean, I feel bad for if anybody's listening and you haven't read Nevada, but you know, Nevada is about this punk trans girl um, who in New York, who's, you know, doing a bunch of heroin, making horrible decisions, ripping off all of her friends and kind of like this weird self-centered way. And like, then just like spinning off blog posts instead of solving any of her problems. Then she goes on a big road trip, um, which we don't see. She shows up in Nevada and she sees this kind of dysphoric young guy, James H., um, who's a sort of a connoisseur of like the autogynophilia theory and sissy porn and so on. And she kind of sees this in him. And she's like, you're a tramp. I'm going to convince you that. I'm going to show you that truth about yourself. And she kind of like accosts him. And they have, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting interaction. I don't want to ruin, I, I can't spoil a book that came out in 2013, can I? But I, but well, I, 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 read I, I will, it this year. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, and I think, you know, so actually a lot more people are going to read this because it's finally getting re-released. FSG is going to put it out. Um, this is huge, but it's, it's actually getting a reprint on a major press. I didn't know um, that. So, yeah. And, and I think this is all the influence of, of Tori. Like, I, I feel like Tori has walked ahead of all of us in such a beautiful way. And she has really, like, made this like mainstream publishing is now curious about whatever trans literature was um i'm fucked anyway because i feel like you know i i don't even know if i write trans literature but you know that that is uh let's just say that i do um but um i mean is not any yeah. any literature by trans people is that not trans literature um is that a too heavy you know, a question yeah, for the middle? Yeah, of the I mean, it, it, it has a it, there's a yes and no to that. I mean, like I'm personally happy to stay with that for the moment. Um, like I think that probably we should just use that term to refer to like whatever we think is like pretty good that's coming out of trans people writing. Mm -hmm. um, and 
that makes it a not very useful term for a lot of things. It's useful maybe for awards, it's useful for selling books, it's useful maybe for finding books, and maybe that's what genre is for. So like I'm I'm cool with that, right? Like I don't I don't think I need to to hash that out too much too much deeper. Um, I do think that I, at some point I was interested in a much more specific sense of an identity bounded literature that was like for me the model of it was like black gay literature in the eighties, right? Like if you pick up these anthologies, um like uh, you know, uh in the life or brother to brother, you know, Joe Bean, Essex Hemphill, um uh who wrote Vanishing Rooms? Um uh, I, I wish I could help, but um I'm uh, wo woefully uh, misinformed on the subject. Oh, Melvin Dixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melvin Dixon. I, that was uh, nobody reads that one. I was really into that. Um, but it, you know, like to me, like identity bounded literature had kind of like hit a high watermark in the '80s um, and '80s and early '90s with this kind of like black gay literature. And there, I think it was a very self conscious project of kind of recognizing that there were a lot of black gay men that were sort of narrating something that didn't, you know, you didn't see their connection to other black gay men, you know, like uh, that it was sort of like, it was about the solitary black gay man finding his way in a largely white world. Um, or, you know, you know, and, and at that, there was a sense of like, well, what would it look like to prioritize each other? That's an interesting question, right? And I mean, I, mean, I like Marlon Riggs um, made that, that movie, um, Tongues Untied. That's, that's, I think, that's, you know, everybody's way into this. Um, and it's a very beautiful sentiment, although it, it has, of course, some problems with it. Like, I mean, it's quite related to, like, you know, like when people talk about T4T, like, you know, like every six months there's T4T discourse, and it's all like a million years behind um, the, the kind of black gay discourse of the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Um, so, but I, and I had the opinion that I was like, I want to kind of carry that forward a little bit and I want to actually be somewhat self-conscious about what that was or how that failed in some ways. It did fail in some ways. I mean, it somehow it's, it's very beatified, right? Because we look at that generation of, of gay writers and activists and so many of them died that it's like very hard to like actually admit that they weren't right about everything. Um, and to some extent, they would have had to revise their ideas if they had survived to be able to do that. And, and I'm sure that they would have, right? Like, in, you know, like everybody, you know, we grow up and some of us calcify and some of us adjust and some of us, uh, you know, are just superseded. I, I don't know um, what would have happened. Um, well, there's I, a there's a kind of like a follow up to those those people. Uh, what, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, so I was saying, um, I guess um, you, you mentioned you mentioned Tori Peters, so uh, mm -hmm. author of Detransition Baby for uh, those listening. It makes me think of that uh, that chapter that's becoming um, quite famous among uh, predominantly white trans women, such as myself, um, of the uh, the what is it the, the adolescent African elephants and oh man with so many I've been with so yeah. many elders elders sort of dying back then even if they were making mistakes it's harder to iterate on that or to or for people to learn when they're, they're dead. So it's like there's a lot of um, uh, feeling around in the dark still, from what I can tell. Well, I don't agree with that. Okay. Um, and, and so I, I think, to me, the elephant section was really interesting, but I've been shocked by how it was taken up. Because the elephants are, 
you know, Ames's theory. And mm-hmm. Ames is a very confused person, right? So like, I, I don't feel like the book should really be taken as endorsing this idea, uh, which I don't think is a very good one. Um, and in particular, it's like, one is that like, not everybody dies. People are around. Yeah, like, good point. Um, and, and so there's a very confusing sense of that. The other thing is that oftentimes it, it like reflects this kind of like fantasy of like a familial structure that's supposed to fix everything that is actually kind of like mirroring everybody's errors in that book, right? Like Reese thinks if only I can be admitted to like kind of sex in the city, like kind of normative, uh, I don't know, like normative female heterosexuality, mm. then everything will be right. If only I can be admitted to being a mom, everything will be all right. Now, actually, people who are already who are in those structures are struggling to get out of them. In fact, you know, because what are they struggling with? They wish they were exciting enough that their husband didn't cheat on them with a trans woman, right? That's a subplot. Um, they're wishing that they had some kind of community um, or kind of countercultural investment. And how does that get expressed um, through their uh, doTERRA ex- essential oils parties and the Wim Hof method, right? Like there's a, a sense that they're, the people that are in the counterculture are pathetically grasping at what they think is normality. And the people who are normal are pathetically grasping at the counterculture and they're all chasing their tails. And here's Ames. And what does Ames think that he wants? Well, he thinks that he wants uh, some kind of structure, some kind of continuity, um, like a like idea of elders or something like that. And this is all, always an anthropological fantasy, right? Like when we say the word elders, right? That this is this is something where like, well, I know what old people are, is that what you mean by elders? Or do you mean the specific roles of elders in, you know, various like indigenous societies that actually had a, a fixed place for that? Um, do you mean like enormous, tightly bound, multi-generational families? Well, maybe you like that, but you might actually find that it's harder to be queer in that kind of environment than you think. Like plenty of people actually do have, you know, multi-generational continuity. Some people run away from their multi-generational continuity. Um, so there's a weirdness there. And, uh, like at the same time, we actually do hear about mother daughter dynamics and we hear that it's dysfunctional. Yeah. Right. Like we hear about, um, you know, Reese's relationship to Talia's relationship to the young twinks or something who are halfway to transitioning and like, and it's all very confused. So again, like there, there are all these kind of mirrorings in the book. Uh, and basically anything that somebody says, I, like, you know, like in a musical, somebody comes out the first time, they, they sing their I wish song. In that book, the beautiful, like the, the, the clever thing about that book is that no matter what somebody wishes for in that book, there's somebody else in that book who has it and doesn't want it uh, and is trying to escape from it. I think that's really important. So when I, so then when I go to the elephant theory, it's yeah. like, well, what does it look like to say, oh, these people, they just don't act right. Why? Because they're a fatherless community. Wow. Okay. That sounds like just racism, right? I mean, that, that's right. like an actually classic line. Like we always say, oh, yes, well, you know, those people, they come from broken homes. Those mm-hmm. people, they don't have good families. They don't have fathers, et cetera. And like, we kind of understand that when we say something like that, we're saying something incredibly fucked up. And that in particular, it's not just that it's like kind of offensive because it rhymes with something that mean people say. It's that it's wrong in the sense that like, well, we should actually look a little bit past that. Like, yes, homes are broken. And yes, that hurts. But how did they get broken? Why aren't people able to, to 
pick themselves back up? Why aren't they able to put it back together? Why aren't they able to, you know, build a resilient culture um, that survives that um, or, or adapts to that? And then you start to say like, oh, it starts to look like actually more like, you know, poverty, access to medicine, um, like a garbage built environment, no access to work, no access to money, uh, everybody in debt, like, you know, your usual kind of like, you know, left wing social concerns. Um, if that's your point of view, um, I think it's mine. Um, and like, when I, when I look at that, it's like, well, what an incredibly weird lack of perspective to be like, wow, the thing that's wrong with trans women is that they don't have like, uh, you know, a mama bear picking them up by the scruff. Uh, well, I guess like a, a mother cat or something would do that. Like they kind of grab you by the <laughs> yeah. scruff and they pick you up. I think bears might do that, that too. That seems, that seems kind of off. Um, and it's like a point of view that is actually kind of missing. Like, well, it, aren't there some other things that might be a little bit difficult to take? Like, you know, what, what, to, to what extent are people, you know, hurting for money? To what extent are people traumatized? To what extent are people, you know, moving on the outs because they are burdened with a deep sense of shame of, you know, who, about who they are? Like these kinds of things, um, are, uh, you know, and it's, like, kind of, it's kind of a holistic issue that way, isn't it? The, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people who don't have this community, this support structure, do struggle uh, financially. I think I know that's like the experience I've had myself coming up as well. Um, I mean, we we spent a, a lot of time in the last uh, ten minutes talking about Tori's book, but I wanted to bring it back to Daryl. Um, speaking of what would be, I mean. You said you want to do it to avoid the sort of egg theory, but um, in Daryl's uh, interactions with Usun, I mean, I guess in some ways he's sort of hoping she'll just tell him the answers to everything he's looking for in that sense. Well, so there's something I wanted to capture with mm-hmm. that interaction, um, which is that so we don't actually hear Usun's voice many times in the book. Like she barely speaks. In general, people who are not Daryl barely speak. Mm-hmm. And so we really have like his impression. He reports on what they say. And with Usun, he doesn't usually quote her, but he always says, I feel like she's trying to convince me to be trans. Well, what, what does that mean actually? Right? Because I've had this happen actually, where people will kind of start gender conversations with me and then they'll think that I'm trying to convince them to be trans because I, you know, it's like no good deed goes unpunished, you know, like I, I thought I was being nice by talking to you about it. Right? You brought it up with me. Right. Um, but I think that people in general have a difficulty taking responsibility for their own fascination um, and their own desires. And, you know, there are a lot of people who will want to, you know, they'll, they'll want to talk about gender when they're drunk um, or they'll be, you know, they'll want to pick you up at the bar, but they won't want to be seen with you in the morning. But that that kind of, uh, like, he has that. And he doesn't have um, the most extreme kind of, like, violent version of that. Like, it doesn't turn over into revulsion, but he does have this sense that he can't take responsibility for what's happening in these conversations. Um, and he swings around, like, a tremendous amount of condescension when he interacts with trans women. But we don't really hear what those trans women have to say. And I somehow wanted to represent that interaction from the outside because like I've 
I've experienced that, you know, like I've, that, that is something that I've experienced many times where people, you know, they get incredibly weird with me about gender, this and that. And I'm just like, wow, you know, like we could have talked about this. Uh, I think that, I think we've lost Jackie just for a second. I don't know if you can hear me. Whoa. Oh, oh, I hear you now. Can you hear me? I can, I can hear you now. We can oh, see you no. now. You just froze out for a second then. Okay. Uh, All right. Um, where, yeah, where, where were you when, um, when we lost you? I th- yeah, I guess just, uh, pick back up where you were going with, um, talking about Daryl and sort of his, his projection onto. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that basically, um, Daryl is a character who's not able to take responsibility for his own fascination. Mm-hmm. And so there are these currents that, um, sort of whip him around. And he often imagines that other people have great intentions for him, which they may not. They may just be trying to live their lives or they may think like, oh, cool. Like I met this new guy. Like he seems like he could be a friend. Maybe he seems like he could be a lover. Maybe he seems like he could be a client. You know, like there's quite a number of people in Daryl. Um, who I think if you read between the lines, they have some amount of sex work involvement. It's explicit with Satori. Um, but you know, how are those trans girls making money, by the way? You know, like, and we don't, we don't have to like make extreme assumptions about mm-hmm. that. Um, but I think that there are a lot of people who are meeting Daryl and they're not necessarily knowing like just how unhinged and how lost he actually is, uh, and how actually dangerous he is, right? Um, that's, that's something that kind of comes through. I mean, Daryl, if you were to take his point of view, really, he might think, I didn't do anything. In the whole book, I didn't do anything. Well, you know, like, I kind of fell in love with this guy. Well, yeah, but then I was kind of falling in love with this girl. But, you know, I, I went to the library and I looked up some old newspaper articles, but he doesn't think of himself as really active. Um, I mean, spe- although, spe- course, speaking again to this... Uh... Sorry, I keep bringing up the the egg thing in the the, the book with Daryl, but before I had come out to myself, I had a lot of similar things where I thought I was, um, to use to use a horrible 4chan term like an NPC, a non-player character. I just assumed like it's all right when these things pass me by because I'm not one of the real people around. Daryl to me seems like he's got elements of that. And also elements of sort of a main character syndrome where he simultaneously thinks it's it's like almost like he knows he's he's the uh, main character of this book, but at the same time he's completely passive. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Daryl is somebody who has done something that resembles like he's he's like a little bit borderline. He gets it. He gets like a halfway diagnosis of that partway in the book, and he I think he, he he's like a a person who's reclaimed that in a way. Mm-hmm. So he has this very unstable sense of self, and he doesn't expect that to get better. He doesn't think that there's anything wrong with that. He thinks that's the truth, and he's interested in experiences that bring that out as much as possible. So that includes some experiences of shame and rejection and being replaced and, and being made irrelevant and so on. Um, and it also includes ways that he just gloms onto people and he's like, you are my life, you are my world, and you're the truth. And like, you know, he, he thinks Bill is Christ and yeah. he thinks Satori is a goddess. And like, but like he's able to form these, um, you know, kind of like it's similar like to splitting, but he just doesn't have really a, a negative side of splitting. Um, and so that, that was important. I mean, 
And I think that with regards to um, his Agnes or whatever, I, I don't like that term, but I, I, I'm stuck with it. Um, I really wanted to write a, a kind of character that was a little bit dangerous in that sense, where basically he has a lot in common with a lot of people who transition, and he doesn't. And that's a little bit scary, because if you admit that there are people, because he could, right? Like if, if Daryl, you know, if the next chapter of the book was Daryl was like, yeah, you know, honestly, I should start transitioning, we would all be like, yeah, I'm probably, probably yeah. go for that, you know, seems, seems like it might work. Um, like, and there are a lot of people who have this relationship to gender where it's like, you would be welcome to do whatever you want if you think that it would make you happier. But if you don't think it really works with your life, nobody's pushing you and, you know, maybe you just won't. Now, if, but that's like kind of different than the narrative of necessity that attend like most conversations about trans stuff. Right. And, and somehow the, when we talk about trans stuff, I think usually like it's not a free conversation. Right. Because we have to have a conversation that is going to work for like talking to doctors, talking to psychiatrists, talking to, uh, you know, various kind of liberal ab advocacy orgs, talking mm -hmm. to, you know, your parents and your lovers and a million people in the world who don't understand. So actually, we have to get our story straight. And we actually have to say something that's kind of simple. And the thing that we have to say, I mean, it's, it's got a lot of pressures on it. Right. Like you can say, like, well, on the one hand. I want to say I'm very competent. I know what I'm doing. You know, I understand what this is. Let me take charge of this process. On the other hand, we want to say this is desperate. This is tearing me apart. I'll die if I don't do it. Right. And it's actually very hard, you know, to have a narrative that simultaneously. And I mean, I'm talking not about a, a narrative in a book, but like when I'm talking about myself, my own life, somehow I have to communicate these two things that are really at odds. One is this is of deadly importance and it's tearing me apart. Something in my brain is going to kill me if I don't do what I need to do. And on the other hand, I've got to say, by the way, I'm also completely competent and that does not compromise my judgment in any way. Wow, this is expectation of like rationality that for other things, like no one, no one, uh, no, I think, I think what, I think what I was going to say there, I disagree with myself. So I'm just going to, um, <laughs> move on. From that. Well, the the expectation it, it comes from uh, it doesn't come from the, the the philosophical conversation about it. The expectation just comes from the fact that you're sitting across the table from somebody and you've got to negotiate, right? Yeah. Like if other people had to negotiate for their gender in a bureaucratic context, then their gender also would be placed under enormous stress. Um, ours is under enormous stress because we actually have to go and get a new passport and we have to go and get surgery and hormones and get people to call us by different names and different pronouns and walk through the world and get people to stop treating us as freaks and, you know, stop trying to like jump into bed with us and then decide the next day that, that they've got to get rid of us because it may make them gay or something, you know, like there's a million things that we have to do that are like, you know, concrete pressures in the world. And that forces us into this explicitness. But so what I just want to say about that is like, you know, cause whatever, that's like trans theory, whatever. Right. So, I wanted to write something that is a little bit at odds with trans theory, right? Because actually in this book, that those pressures are not there. That's part of what I get from, from being a writer, you know, is that when I'm in a literary context, I can actually put all of that down and I can have characters who, for example, do things like approach transition in a relatively non-urgent way. I can have characters who are like wrong 
you know, about what about their transition. So we're like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. Or maybe they're like, yeah, maybe I should, but you know that they they shouldn't, you know, like and and you can you can kind of mess around with it. And you have a kind of freedom um, that I think in the real world we don't. Um, and it will never be a free conversation until until it's the, until we're free people, right? I mean that's that's one thing where it's like I don't want to just be like an edge lord or something about this and say that like you know like haha like I'm thumbing my nose at all of those you know those stupid trans activists who like think that they've got to tell a goody two shoes story. No, 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 they're right. They have to tell that story. I have to tell that story, and I do tell that story. But um, I think that you know literature is potentially a place where you know things can get a little bit dicier. Um, and I, I, I think that people have trusted me, you know, to go pretty far with that, um, in this book. Um, I, I hope that they continue to extend their, their goodwill to my, to my next book. But, but I mean, that, that, that's a kind of thing, like, you know, there's something that's a little bit refreshing, but also a little bit unsettling about reading accounts like that, that don't seem to defend, uh, trans identity in the right way that you would need to if what you were doing was like the discourse. Um, well, I found found the book quite existentially terrifying in in some parts, um, and I think that it's working. So, so yeah, something I couldn't put my finger on is uh, what you're explaining. I think what makes Daryl such a uh, interesting character from that point of view is his privilege. He has this. Uh, I mean, um, until he realizes he might not, he has this sort of complete financial freedom and. He doesn't have to work. He's sort of, in, in some ways, like the anti-dude from The Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you find that offensive any, in any way, but I mean, the dude yeah, is... Yeah, I love that is, uh, He's very confident and comfortable with himself. And But he's the same thing. He doesn't have to work. His, I mean, the 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 backstory there is that that this didn't make it to the cut is that his dad invented the Rubik's Cube. Um, but... <laughs> I think with um, Daryl, it's an inheritance, right? Yeah, he has an inheritance, and I don't, I don't specify uh, in the book where it came from, but I'm actually I mean, happy to accept that that it's it's Rubik's money. Well, I, and that, I, I know, think Daryl is like myself, living on like, a, an inheritance that it's like you know he's, he gets a trust hmm. fund from Mensa or something like that. But maybe there's also the uh, possibility that um that he has this freedom it comes from a traumatic experience like losing someone he loved or someone he relied on and i mean maybe it's a catalyst i mean there's a lot of a lot of questions get asked reading it and i wasn't quite prepared um for that going in but i i think i was putting a lot of my own previous prejudices into it as well and uh i mean i like a i like a book that does that to me that's not a well, question. I really I'm just, that, I'm just, that you went in with it. Yeah, I mean, um, and I agree that his money underwrites his attitude in a big way, um, and I think that that was kind of part of what I wanted to do is that, you know, like, you know, following the analysis from before, like, if I actually believe that trans people are sort of not free to speak, um, you know, because our discourse is under these concrete pressures um, because it has to do these things. Like it has to function bureaucratically, medically, blah, blah, blah. Um, It has to function in the right discourse. It has to do all this stuff. And so we're we're less free to speak. So then here's Daryl and he is free to speak because there are no pressures on his identity. Nobody really makes him show up to anything. It doesn't matter how weird he gets. 
it starts to look about halfway through the book like this guy is like tripping every day. Could you do that? Could I do that? I, I don't think so. It looks like I'm tripping because I'm in a Maxfield Parish painting. I mean, for people who are watching on Twitch, but like uh, that isn't. Uh, it's not as available. You know, like his, what's that? Yeah, it's, it's not, not as, as available, available that that option of just tripping every day and dissociating. I mean, I have had parts of my life where I had that, but the the consequences were a lot um, more real than than what Daryl faces from uh, his perspective. Yeah, he gets some consequences, but they're kind of slow burners. You know, they, they, he, de- he never gets consequences fast enough to really learn from them. <laughs> he does, he does incur a few. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's quite, it's almost like a, a slice of life for Daryl. I'm sure that, uh, some of these consequences will come to fruition in another few chapters, but I mean, it, it ends at the right time and uh, I'm, I'm not going to give anything away. I remember I messaged you right away. <laughs> Uh, on Twitter after the ending, thanking you for it because I was uh, um, hoping for something like that. Um, I'm giving too much away myself, but I just wanted to loop back to um, um, the concept of trans literature. How I even found this book in the beginning is um, I read Detransition Baby because of all of the the buzz about it everywhere, like you were saying, like... um, and I had not actually been exposed to too much trans, lit- trans literature. I'm late in life transition on myself, and um, it was I think ungo- a bit young to be late in life, but yeah, late, late in my own life. I guess that's true for every single person who's ever transitioned. It's because it's the latest thing they've done at that time. Um, but I, I think I, I found uh, Daryl in some Goodreads list of trans literature. Mm. And I'm glad I yeah, did. Yeah, those people have been and good to me. So I think that that's important from that perspective. Um, but what I wanted to ask is, that I I feel like, uh, you know, I have, to, I have to rephrase this question in my mind because I was going to say I feel like we're in a trans literature renaissance, but having just admitted that um, I haven't really previously been exposed to it, do you, will you agree that we are or am I just discovering it? Um, I think it's a good situation. Um, there are a surprising number of trans writers uh, getting published right now. And that is, that it feels a little bit new. Like more people are getting books out. Like people are getting books out on big presses um, and it's a different kind of book. Um, like there've been trans books forever, but a lot of them were either like memoir or YA. A lot of them had this very kind of like explainer feel. Like it'd be a story about like, you know, a trans girl in high school and the ending is that she victoriously gets to have surgery or something like that. Um, or it would be like a very rich trans person saying like, this was, this is the story of my journey. Uh, or a very hard up trans person saying this is the story of my journey. But there, but there were like, there were a few boxes. And I think that most of what you could find did did fit into that. Like I'm I'm trying to like avoid the point of like the kind of per- excessively periodizing point of view um, because there are things like um, you know uh, Braz Kazani or um, uh, Jeff Brown or um, 
uh, I don't know. I mean, friends of mine are much more kind of like classic translated obsessives. And, and I, I think I might go like, you know, to somebody like, you know, like, uh, Mira Soleil Ross and uh, Vivian Namaste, et cetera. Like, you know, these writers in the, who I think it was like more in the nineties. Um, but most of this stuff doesn't make it out onto big presses, I have to admit. Um, and so, so that is, that is new. Like we're finding audiences in a way that I think we hadn't before. Um, I also think that it's kind of nice that trans literature has a little bit of temporality. Um, so I can write trans literature that in some ways reacts to earlier phases of trans literature or earlier specific, specific books. Um, and we're able to function a little bit as a kind of like a, you know, like a, almost like a national literature or something like that. Um, and I'm glad we can do that. Um, so it seems big. And, and, you know, there's all these books coming out. So it's great. I, I feel kind of bad because I'm not reading a lot of people's books right now. And, um, that's just, I've, I'm like right, heavily writing and editing and I kind of just don't want to let it in. Um, but I am really looking forward to catching up on to it. You know, like I know, um, like Gene Thornton has a book coming out. Rika Aoki has a book coming out. Um, Casey Platt has a book coming out all this year. And like when I started, like when I, my idea of trans literature was like these people. Oh, and Imogen's getting all of her stuff reissued. Mm-hmm. Um, Tori's reissuing all the novellas. And like, uh, I think like actually, I think I can say that she's like also adding some new material there. Like it won't only be the things that you've been able to read before. Um, so when I look at that, I'm like, it, okay, it, so it a lot of the heavy hitters, um, are, are really doing their thing right now. Um, and there are a ton of people also who. Oh, we've got a, a phrase again. Okay. You, you've refreshed, you've refreshed. Yeah. Uh, you were saying yeah. tons of people. I, mean, I, was, I, was, I was just about to say that there's a lot of people, like I'm just mentioning the people who really don't need my help to be to be mentioned because you know they whatever they're all on big presses or whatever but you know um i feel like um you should look at frog cage stuff uh paris green yuri rando on on twitter um who writes these like really crazy short stories they kind of feel like a, a little bit like kafka or something you know and i i think anyway I mean, maybe they're, they're more like kleist than kafka i don't know but they're um there's a very very intense voice there um and there's something going on there that i think is very different than and and really ahead of a lot of the things that we think of as like trans literature and this is like you know like i'm speaking about like you know because this is like the more kind of like experimental lit side of things like um never angeline north like um sea witch um she has another um uh piece coming out um i don't i don't remember where it's coming out um, but I've, I've heard bits of that, uh, of that, that, that coming along. But I don't know. It's like, you know, with this much stuff coming out, this much stuff going on, I suppose we could say, uh, that I, I wonder what the implications are of calling it a renaissance. I'm always car- careful about that word because it just kind of sort of has this implication that, you know, like we should be, you know, reading Plato and kind of, uh, I don't know. We should be painting more. Should be, I guess it's I, I miss that event. actually, you know, that's, that's something. There's, well, I, I don't know how to do it, but I, I feel like I wish there were more trans painters, you know, like I know about Kat Grafham, um, 
and uh, but I don't know like who's who is interested in trans visual form, you know, and I, I know it's out there, but I, but I see like a lot of photography. Um, and I, this is just my ignorance, but I would love to know, like, like, if you look at like, um, like, I don't know, well, I'm about to go on a rant. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, but I, I, I just, I would, I, I would love want to you see to more, more trans painting. Um, well, that kind of leads into you. You seem to know, um, at least a hell of a lot more, uh, trans authors established and up and coming than than I do, how, how would you recommend people dip their toes in and start feeling around? Because it can be quite opaque, kind of impenetrable. Like, I felt like I had to work to find even the books I was coming across, which are somewhat mainstream in the, in the space. Yeah. Um... That's kind of tough. Like, this is one of those things where I kind of feel like I'm a little bit irresponsible as a, like, a trans writer, like, you know, that, that I should actually have, like, a better list ready to hand, or I should be like, this is my profile of everybody's stuff. Um, but, I mean, I think that, like, if you look at, like, you know, a person I should have mentioned, like, Alex McElroy, um, uh, Detroit the Atmospherian, um, who's been writing like a lot more, um, a lot more kind of like, you know, broad sympathetic pieces, like people who write like lists. Um, I, I really haven't written very many lists. I wrote one list of favorite books and I realized now that like it didn't have any trans stuff on it at all. It was like, yeah, like here's this book by these like, you know, scuba diving artists and here's this book by this acid chemist and here's this book about the Harlem Renaissance. And it was just like, I didn't, I, I probably had pissed off the editors because, you know, like, a, it, you know, it, it ran in Peach Mag and mm. they were like, yeah, like, you know, give us a, you know, a list of your favorite books and, you know, introduce us to your world. And I was like, okay, here's, here's what I'm actually reading. Yeah. Yeah. You got to check it out. It's called The Rose of Paracelsus. Crazy, man. Like, you know, he was in jail for like 20 years and he, and he was in prison actually. And he, he wrote this thing in pencil. Um, it's in this, in this amazing book. Um, but anyway, um, what to say? Um, I think that Twitter has been actually pretty helpful for finding people. Yeah. Um, of course, it can be a bit annoying because um, people love to argue about it. And I, I think it's just incredibly obnoxious. Like, um, like they often argue about trans literature in this way that sort of like, uh, I don't know, like it, it presumes a little bit more freedom to choose how you write than I think writers actually have. Right. Yeah. Like if there was, if it turns out that there's like a better kind of writing, to do, then I'm fucked because I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep doing what I do. Um, and like, partly because I wouldn't be able to catch up. Like if it turns out that everybody needs to be writing experimental literature, then I'd just be like, okay, well, you know, sucks for me, but because this is the kind of book that I think I know how to write. And, you know, I've written another book that's kind of, you know, at least formally not, not very different, although it's different. Um, I'd say at least the subject I, matter is quite experimental. I've never read a yeah. book about a cook before, before Daryl. I mean, not explicitly. I mean, I, I know the uh, the word cuckold comes from Shakespeare, but... Yeah, I mean, Ulysses, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, um, yes, yes, yes. 
but yeah, you, um, you, you've hinted at this this uh, this other book that you that you may release. Um, so we've got about five minutes left. I just wanted wanted to ask, uh, what's on the horizon? What's um, what can we expect to come out come out of the uh, the Jackie S Press? Um, well, I'm not trying to do it on my own press, so I think no. I, I I've got to be kind of careful about what I'm going to do with it. Um, it's at this stage right now where I'm like starting to think about sending it out. Um, you know, I put Daryl out with Flash Press, and that has been such a great experience that I think that like very very likely um, that I will try to see if I can do it with them. But um, for a couple of reasons, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back on on committing uh, to to anything right now. Um, I've been doing that. Um, I also um, have been trying to pitch a TV show, which we'll see if that goes, you know, we'll see if I'm actually capable of writing for television. Also, like, you know, like I just said that I can only write one way, but um, I'm trying to write another way at the same time. Um, and we'll see if that works. Um, but um, the 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 next book, um, you know, right now the working title of the manuscript is Fruits, and it follows uh, follows a, a slightly younger crowd, um, a young guy named Adam, who is possibly is possibly is going to become Moonbeam, the character in Daryl, a few years later. Um, okay. But I'm going to leave that a little bit loose, and it, it kind of follows him through the Bay Area, um, through the uh, through the perfume industry, um, among other places. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I want to like really do the plot or pitch it but partly just because i'm like so sunk in it like i could just tell you about like this is the chapter that i'm editing right now and that kind of would not really convey what it is i mean personally i'd love love to hear it but yeah i'm sure you don't want to uh be spilling that out to the world and we've only got a couple of minutes left but um i'm going to be keeping my ear to the ground for that one to come out uh, where can people follow you online and see what you're, see what you're up to yeah, you can follow me at um, Jackie underscore S, um, ESS. Like, it's just first name, last name, because that's, you know, probably it's in the event description of some kind, um, but uh, on Twitter. Um, I have an Instagram trip to taller windows, but, like, don't use it. Um, I mean, you can follow it, whatever, but, like, my phone broke, like, five months ago, and I haven't gotten a new one, so I'm probably never going to use Instagram again. Um, and although I read it, you know, because I, I just, like, want to read meme pages on there. Um, and uh, whatever, uh, what else? Like I, I've never even seen SpongeBob, but I'm like now I have like really, you know, it's, it's burned in. You know. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, oh, I, something that I for, forgot to to mention actually is that I think that one of the most kind of like sympathetic and responsible chroniclers of trans literature right now is Mackenzie Ward. And Mackenzie Ward, really, did you say? Mackenzie Work, um, who's also Australian, um, for what it's worth. Okay. Um, uh, but um, I, I won't hold it against from from the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but she is one of the people. It's like, you know, I think it's one of these things where it's like it's very hard to actually maintain your enthusiasm for like for like just trying to put all the girls on, you know. And she really does that more than like anybody that I. Know. Um, and so I would say that like people who are looking for trans literature, just like in general, they should try to look into Mackenzie's stuff. Um, I mean, Mackenzie 
um, has a book, uh, auto fiction kind of thing called, uh, called Reverse Cowgirl. Um, but mostly I think like, um, it's the occasional writing that Mackenzie has done during the transition, whether it was about raves, whether it was about, um, about trans writing, um, and trans art in general, trans film, all this stuff. Like, I feel like actually Mackenzie is often my source for like what is going on in trans world. Um, and, and I mean, we help each other. I mean, I, I think that there are, there are things that I would be able to show her as well, but, um, but I definitely wanted to point to that because I think that like, I'm a really bad hub for this kind of stuff. Cause you know, like ultimately artists are too selfish. I mean, we, we are. Um, and, uh, you, you, you know, mentioned you have so to many more names than I think you think you have. I mean, I, I, I put the pressure on you. I've said you, you're the, you're the gatekeeper to, um, the world of trans literature for our listeners. And that's just not true. And you still managed to, uh, mention more names than, than I could think of by far. Yeah, well, I'm going to be absolutely kicking myself after this because I'm just going to realize that, like, I didn't mention somebody who's, like, totally obviously I would have mentioned them. Um, so, um, hello, if you're out there. I didn't, I didn't mean to leave you out. You know. And um, thanks for listening but, as um, well. Yes, well, also that. Yeah, also that. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I next, I'm going to bring more breadcrumbs next time. You know, that, that seems important. Um but, but I don't know, like it's, it's actually, it's a very rich field right now. So I, I think in a way, like one of the ways that, that you can find out what's going on is that you can pick up any translit book and look at the, uh, the acknowledgement and you'll see all these names and you'll be like, who is that? And then you'll be like, oh wait, I know that person. Um, okay, and, I'm going to be doing that for sure. I'm going to ask you yeah. for some spelling after this probably because, um, I'm going to, I'm going to want to do some further reading myself. I'd really love to talk to you for another two hours about all of this because I, I got through about two or three of my 12 questions. Well, I'm happy to go over. I mean, it's, it's no big deal for me, but if you cap it an hour, you cap it an hour. Um, yeah, I, I do uh, have to go myself. Um, but, I mean, I'd love to have you back on sometime if you'd be interested. Always up for it. Totally. Yeah, I'll find a different painting. We'll, we'll do this thing. I'm sure there's another painting. super fun. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming tonight um, and uh, breaking the ice on our triumphant return. And thank you yeah. for Daryl. Um, actually, yeah, where, where, where is the best place for people to to purchase Daryl or uh, consume it? Um, it's, it's not a big deal to me. Um, you can buy it directly from the publisher. We love that. Um, you can buy it from Bookshop. Um, we love that. Um, you can buy it from Amazon if you want. I mean, it's there if you if you like Amazon. You know, um, uh, there is a Kindle edition. Um, I have a non-Kindle ebook of it, um, which I've realized recently that people have no way to buy. And so I, I want to fix that. Like, I think that we should make it available, like, in the Kobo store or something like that. Because I, I do real I worry that sometimes that people who want to read it as an ebook um, but don't like Amazon have had trouble accessing it and oftentimes those people email me and I'm just like, whatever, I'll just give you the file. Um, and, uh, but, but stay tuned for that. There'll be a better story about that, um, like non Amazon ebook thing. Um, but I think that for now, if you want a physical book, um, and you know, let, let me say another really good way of getting it is to get it from bookstores and they, they exist and many of them are open now. Um, you know, people have vaccines, et cetera, and people do, you know, outdoor pickup and delivery and a million, million different ways that bookstores are staying in business. So 
you can absolutely get Daryl from your bookstore. You just tell them to carry it. Like say, I want to buy this. Can you, do you have Daryl? You call them and ask them that. Um, they will probably get it for you. They will probably say, no, we don't have it, but you know, we'll get it for you. Do you want to come in in a week? And it'll be there. Um, and that's actually one of the wonderful things for me because I, it means that like, cause anyway, my press is very, is very competent. They're, they're, they're clash books and they, they, they do, um, you know, booksellers, they're the system that they have. They have a, like a, a return system. So booksellers are able to buy books from, from publishers and distributors. And then if the books don't sell, they can get refunds on them. And that's how bookstores are able to like have a storefront that is full of books, knowing that of course they don't all sell. Right? And so we have that set up. Um, and so I think that, I think we're set up so that like, at least in the US, pretty much any bookstore should be able to get it. Outside of the US, um, I think there have been issues. Um, I know that there are bookstores in the UK that carry it. Right. Um, but I think that I, I've sent files to people internationally more often. I'm very interested in doing international releases, translations, maybe, I don't know. Um, but, uh, all that is, uh, remains to be figured out. People should also hit me up. You know, like I said, my Instagram is trip to taller windows and I don't use it, but I have DMs and I also have an email address, trip to taller windows at protonmail.com. So, you know, whatever. I'm great. Well, um, yep. Read Daryl, uh, follow Jackie and follow me as well. You can find all my links at xanthea.ca. That's X-A-N-T-H-E-A.ca. Uh, thanks everybody for watching or listening, depending on which you are. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks at 7.30pm right here on twitch.tv forward slash cavegoblins. Goodbye.